All right, if you guys have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. And then you can also put a finger in Psalm 69, 4 through 8. And that's where we're going to be this morning. And so I've really actually, uh, there's one um, beatitude that I have not connected to the Psalms. And if I had to do it over again, I would connect it to the Psalms. But we're, um, because I, as I go through the Psalms, I'm seeing the Beatitudes all throughout them. And so it's been a, it's been a very fun exercise to kind of figure out what Psalm we're going to pray with um, this, uh, with these Beatitudes. And actually figuring out, um, kind of because some of the Psalms serve as commentary for the Beatitudes as well and on a lot of these things. But if you guys will... It's in your song sheet. Pray our uh, Matthew prayer, and then we'll, I'll read the text. Our Father, we thank you for this wise picture of Christ's life. Please reveal it to us deeply through your Holy Spirit. Teach us to listen well, learn well, and to live out that knowledge. Renew our sight, refresh our hearts, and grant our desire to seek and follow you. Jesus, help us live our lives for you. Amen. This is Matthew 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And this is Psalm 69, 4-8. More in numbers than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause. Mightier those who would destroy me those who attack me with lies. What I did not steal, must I now restore? Oh God, you know my folly. The wrongs I have done are not hidden from you. Let not those who hope in you be put to shame through me. O oh God, O oh Lord, God of hosts, let not those who seek you be brought to dishonor through me, O oh God of Israel. For it is for your sake that I have borne reproach. That dishonor has covered my face. I become a stranger to my brothers, an alien to my mother's sons. This sermon is actually, I think in the Beatitudes, some of them are more convicting than others, but this one's one of the hardest ones to preach for me. In our climate, in our day and age, uh, we, uh, there are those that are persecuted for righteousness' sake. But there are also those who are persecuted for self-righteousness sake. And there's a big difference between the two. There's a chasm between the two. Many are persecuted for being a jerk rather than doing what God has asked them to do. So many of them do uh, what they do. They call themselves Christians and they are Christians. And because they are Christians, they think God goes with them wherever they see the need to serve the justice of the Lord. And then they act regardless of what God actually says to them. They do whatever they want to do. And they act in rudeness and self-righteousness. And then they claim that they're persecuted for righteousness sake. Now, it doesn't matter in this if the view that they have is correct or not. Because as we'll see through the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, God does care about our actions, but he also cares about our motives. And as we've gone through the Beatitudes, he cares about us submitting our lives to him in his ways. There are times when we're going to have to act and then we'll be persecuted and maybe it'll be act in boldly. There are times when we need to be silent as well 
and not act because that's what God would have us do. Many of those who, uh, many of those in our day that are claiming to be persecuted for righteousness' sake, when maybe the truth is more akin to you're your being persecuted for a sin you've perpetrated on someone else. Or that maybe it's not uh, the same, and that's not the same as being persecuted without having fault or without having this righteousness of the Lord. Even if you're a Christian, and uh, a per- the persecuting person doesn't like Christians, that doesn't mean that they're coming after you because of Jesus. Could be for any number of reasons. And maybe because of your pride, by the way, which Jesus is trying to remove from us. Right? It may be because you spoke when silence was what God was asking of you. It may be for your opposing political view. Sometimes we get persecuted for that and we attribute our political views to however we believe in Christ. Or maybe our view on some other social issue. Well, we just know without a shadow of a doubt how God believes and thinks about this. But these aren't necessarily related to Christ. They can be, but they're not necessarily. And if we are under Christ, he is our king, this new kingdom that he's bringing, he is our king, then we get to, you know, this is what we get to do. We get to strive for unity and we get to strive everybody or strive to serve everybody. Maybe I would say, even if we don't agree with the person, when we come with what he's already taught us so far in these, uh, these nine sentences so far in the Sermon on the Mount, We come with meekness. One of the most challenging things about meekness is that it it does mean that people can walk on you. It allows for that to a certain extent where you're just blessed are the peacemakers. So you're not the one stirring it up all the time, stirring the pot. Now we get to stand for what's right, but we get to do so with meekness, with peace, and then we get to be merciful just as uh, we even over judgment to people that we disagree with. This is what Jesus has already taught us. And I wanted to address this right off the top because as we get into this, we need humility when we look at persecution. We need to examine ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to point out areas where we are not living up to, or maybe I could say it this way, we are not following the way that Jesus has for us. Too many claim persecution for the wrong reasons, right? And it's only gotten easier with social media, although it was always in our heart anyway. And when this happens, it serves to discount or belittle real persecution that if we follow Christ, we will go through. It's not necessarily serving Jesus just because someone doesn't like us. We need to be quick to examine ourselves rather than to be quick to feel or claim that we are the persecuted in each and every situation. Because if we follow Jesus, we will be persecuted. Some of us in great and noticeable ways, and some of us in subtle or maybe even unknown ways. Like maybe you don't get that phone call anymore from that person. You don't know what it's about. Part of our belief or our message uh, is hated by the governments. Jesus is saying, rely on me as your king which is over against any other uh, government entity. You know, corporations that are telling us to serve others or give, give money away or do some of these things. 
Corporations don't like us because they just want us to spend, 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 spend on them or use their services. Or sometimes individuals, part of our beliefs, our messages are going to be hated by these things. There are those who will simply just not like us and those who will want to destroy us and discredit everything that we have to say. Some will... uh, Some of us will face this from strangers, and some will face it from family members and close friends. Much of the time, this will happen without discussion or clarification or what we actually, or without consideration of what we actually think and feel in the moment. Something's just placed on us, a motive's placed on us, or, oh, you're a Christian, so you must agree with every other Christian out there. It's not necessarily true. And it'll happen for sometimes supposed thoughts or beliefs. And yet there will be some that hear us and they will still attack us. There will be some that understand exactly what we're trying to say and they will still hate us. We live in a world that hates grace. We live in a world that hates grace. No one would claim to hate it. No one's like, oh, grace, that's, that's worthless. No, but the, because the idea is beautiful, and yet it's extremely difficult to live by. We want grace for ourselves, amen? We can say that. Jesus, please give it to us. But oftentimes, we don't want it for others. We look at their ways and we say, oh, that's happening because they're foolish. But yet the grace that we, the foolishness that we had, it was probably often overlooked. There are times when we don't want grace. We want to earn what we get. We want to earn what we receive. We don't just want it handed to us, right? We want to reap what we have sown. And by the way, that's not grace. We will reap what we are sown. Jesus does take on the penalty that's owed us on himself. But there's a, con- there's a saying in this country, and I don't know if it's in others because I haven't ever lived in others, but it's the idea that is maybe even in a lot of Christian churches and Christian uh, people who call themselves Christian adhere to, there's a saying, this is it. There's no such thing as a free lunch. That's not grace. That's not grace. Because this statement lacks grace, this statement ignores grace, and as we've learned already in the Beatitudes, blessed are the what? Poor in spirit. Right? Blessed are the ones who can't afford lunch. Which means we are in need of grace all the time. And, and the poor in spirit will, like those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, will do the same thing. They will inherit the kingdom of heaven. And when it comes to matters of grace, we stand in need of unmerited, unearned, unsown, undeserved favor from God. We need God to smile on us and in his love and by the power of the Holy Spirit, not because of anything that we've said or done, but just out of his goodness. That's what we need. We need the Holy Spirit to remind us that this love is why Jesus came to be with us, that this is why Jesus came to die for us, to remind us of his grace and his love for us. And because of his grace, we get a life that, you know what? we don't deserve, even if we're persecuted. I chose Psalm 69, 4 through 8 to go along with this beatitude because it describes the life that we might live if we follow Jesus. Also, one of the reasons I chose it is because it speaks of persecution at the same time. It has, in the middle of this, a prayer of confession for our own folly. That's the neediness piece, right? 
The wrongs that I have done are not hidden from you, O Lord. So even though we're persecuted, God does know our folly, but he also knows that we may suffer unwarranted and unfair affliction and persecution. If we truly follow Jesus, this will come at a time. There will be a people that associate you with Jesus and they may not like or believe in Jesus. And because of that, they will not like or believe in you. They may not want to be, uh, maybe they, at one point they loved Jesus, but then they don't like Jesus anymore and they walk away from Jesus and they don't want to be reminded of Jesus, so they don't want to be around you. This happens all the time. This is, a perse- this is persecution to a certain extent. Maybe it's not you're not getting beat up, you're not being put on a cross, not to the full extent of what persecution can look like, but it kills the relationship. It destroys fellowship that was once so rich and so sweet. And it's not just them that is missing out on this. It's us as well because we gained sweet fellowship with these people. So many times we think of persecution as only those who are killed or maimed or have their churches burned down. We we can read about this or see this. Or maybe it's somebody we think who's Somebody's whose family alienated them because they are Christian. Somebody who said, oh, you're dead to me. Or I disown you. Or you're no longer included. And we don't even recognize you as a son or daughter. It is right to think of these because this happens every single day. But it's not right. What's not right is if we compare ourselves to them. Because there's no... I mean, there are kind of levels of persecution, but we're, we're not... By the way, we don't want to seek persecution. Amen. It's not like you go out and seeking it, but like um, we don't compare ourselves to them because that's their life. That's what that's the story that Jesus is working in them. He's working a different story in us. We are not in competition for the most persecuted because of Jesus. We're just not. We simply strive to walk with Jesus, whatever may befall us. Right? We just sung, it is well, it is well with my soul. If good happens, you know what we do? We follow Jesus. If bad happens, you know what we do? We follow Jesus. If God gives us wealth and riches, you know what we do? We still have to submit ourselves to Christ and follow Him with these things. And if poverty befalls us, you know what we get to do? Still rely on Jesus and follow Him in the ways that we we are supposed to and if we are lifted up or made much of we follow jesus in that and if we are brought low and made little of and mocked you know what we do we follow jesus the the plan is the same we follow jesus and by the way as followers of jesus and as him as our king we are not better than him amen he was mocked he was maligned not just on the cross but through the entirety of his ministry As we carry on through Matthew and you go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will see moments when Jesus is rejected, where Jesus speaks of truth and shows love, not only in word, but through actions, does some amazing things, and people still disbelieve him. They're like, what are you, some sort of charlatan? They question him and his motives. There are still people who attack uh, attack him with lies and try to destroy him, or at least destroy his reputation. Jesus carried out on the cross and not only on the cross through his life, he carried on and did the will of his father regardless of the outcome. And we know the outcome. 
But we don't place ourselves above Jesus. And if Jesus endured a mock trial with lies of being spoken against him, then we get to do the same. It, it will happen. If Jesus had many devising to catch him and try to destroy his reputation and try and like, oh, see, I knew. I knew you weren't that. Why are we above that? It's going to happen for us. If Jesus was stoned to, and he was like, they're trying to stone him to death and he had to escape, we're not above that. Jesus was rejected by his hometown. They're like, we know his mom and his sisters. Like, who's this guy? then we can expect the same thing. If Jesus was put on a cross, we're not above him. We're not above him by no means. We follow him. And at times, that following will be through some really hard places. And that following will come at a great cost. And yet, Jesus tells us what? To count the cost. To count the cost. Jesus even tells us, Pick up your cross daily and follow me. Jesus gave us these beatitudes to remind us once again that it will not always be easy, but the reward will be great. And, for, and we're going to look at this a little bit more next week too, but let's look at the rewards. Because if we're counting the cost, if we get to follow these beatitudes, if we get to follow the way of Jesus as his followers or those who call him king and let him be king in their lives, then we are given a reward as well, right? We're given a reward. These are the rewards for those who call him king and let him serve as king. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For they shall be comforted, for they shall inherit the earth, for they shall be satisfied, for they shall receive mercy, for they shall see God, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. These are amazing gifts, aren't they? But they do come at a great cost. And it's a cost that we get to consider as well, right? We see the bad, but we also see the benefit in this. And as we follow Jesus, there is a way that he has for us. There is a way. It's his way. We don't follow buddy Jesus we allow him to be king. I'll say this though. He is our friend, amen? He's kinder than a friend. But he also has a way about him that he asks us to live by. The rewards are amazing and great. Not only the rewards here, but peace, joy, all these wonderful things, the feeling of being accepted into a family. I would love to live in the kingdom of heaven, amen? You with me? Like, that would be fantastic. No more tears, no more weeping, no more pain. I would love to be comforted whenever I'm going through anything sorrowful. I would love to inherit the earth. Maybe not the whole thing, but little pieces of it. Right? A little piece of it. I would love to be satisfied in life and receive mercy. I would love, I mean, you could read my journal. I would love to see God and to be called his son. I want all of this. I want all of this. And in this, I need His grace. In order to receive this, for me, you know what I get to be according to these Beatitudes? I get to be needy. Which is not looked upon with favor in our world, is it? I get to be poor. I get to mourn with those who mourn. I am meek, which again means I get to let people walk over me and I get to be gentle and kind with them as they do it. I hunger and thirst. 
I long for the ways of Jesus. I ache for them. I give mercy, even if it's not deserved. And I live in a, in a way that purifies my heart and it goes through this refinement process over and over, uh, over again. I change from the level of my heart and then it impacts the way I live the rest of my life. And I get to strive to be a peacemaker, not only in the world, but also in my own heart. And yes, I will endure persecution to one degree or another. The rewards are great, but so is the way to live. To live like Jesus and for Jesus is no joke. Right? It's counter to our culture. And so let us count the cost. When we receive grace from Jesus, that doesn't mean we don't try because we know that we'll never line up to his perfect ways. We need to go into this Christian life knowing that. We're not going to measure up. That we never will measure up. That he's going to continue to refine us through life. But we also know this, that we are loved by Jesus and that he extends his grace knowing that we will mess up. That is why it's undeserved. And yet, we strive to live for Jesus by his grace. When grace is truly received, we don't spit in its face. We don't mock it. We don't think that we don't need it, and we don't go around pretending that we are better than it. We also don't go on sinning intentionally. We don't go about our day however we want and just expect Jesus to cover it up. We have died to ourselves so that we might follow our King. That is what we get to do as followers of Christ, even if we're persecuted for it even if negative things happen. And this seems to suggest that they will. Not all the time, but there's a valley of the shadow of death, and then there are meadows where we get to watch, uh, we get to eat in front of our enemies. Jesus knows that his ways are counter to the ways of this world. He knows that they're different than the way that this world's work. He knows that it's counter to the ways of national, the way that nations govern. He also knows it's counter to uh, friends that will malign us. He knows that it's even counter to our own selfish desires. And he knows that it will cost us. Jesus gives grace and this is what we need. And I pray that this is a reminder to us all, not as discouragement, but an encouragement to keep counting the cost, to keep following Jesus, to keep relying on his grace because we need it. I don't know um, how you have been or how you might be persecuted for righteousness sake, but this is what I pray for all of us. I pray that we might be humble in it. I pray that we might live in meekness and mercy, some of the things that we've already learned. I pray that we'll be able to humble ourselves and repent, that we'll be able to examine our ways and make sure that if we are persecuted, that it's for righteousness sake, not some stinking political or social view. That it's not that we are, if we're persecuted, that it's for righteousness sake and not out of our own rudeness or our own like nasty dispositions that can sometimes come on all of us. Amen? that we will continue to count the cost and continue by the power of the Holy Spirit to strive and live for Jesus each and every day. Whatever befalls us, we still get to walk with Jesus.
And as we do this, we can join the prayer of this psalm that is here, that those who are looking to see me, that are looking to destroy me, because there will be some, that they, and then those, there are also those who are looking at us going like, well, if Jesus is with them, let me watch them. Let me see what God's doing in them. We get to join in this prayer that those who are watching us, watching our lives because of Jesus, that they will not be put to shame because they're looking to see the Jesus in us and through us. Let those who are watching the goodness of God work in our lives to see if it might come into their lives. Let it be seen as though Jesus is seen through us, his followers. We get to pray that good will be done. We get to pray that even as we endure persecution, that it's okay, we're going to make it through. We're going to get to the other side. God is going to be there for us, that ours truly is the kingdom of heaven, even though we've been persecuted for righteousness' sake. And that we can admit our follies and our wrongs, that nothing that we have is hidden from God, and yet we still put our hope in Him. That's what we get to do as we follow Jesus. So Jesus... This is not an easy task. This is not something that is comfortable and it's not something that we like to do. Lord, I pray that you will help us in our quest to live for righteousness sake. Please help us see some of the areas where we have folly or where we think maybe we're being persecuted for righteousness sake, but we're not being persecuted for that. We're just being persecuted for some other reason. Lord, I pray that you will give us the humility, the meekness, the peaceableness, to be able to follow you, even um, whatever may befall, Lord. So please be with us, Lord. Let us see you. Let us see your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.